How's it going, Longhorn Nation? We are back. Welcome to Texas Talk, your one-stop shop for everything involving Texas Longhorns football. I'm your host, Ryan McLoon, and it is Friday, February 16th. It has been a really long time, like three months since our last podcast. Life got in the way a little bit. I won't bore you with all of the details because the important thing is that we are back and, you know, we're going to be pretty consistent here from now on, week in and week out, just like we had been in the future. Today, we are going to kind of just run down everything that has happened since the last time we've talked. We have plenty of time to get into the nitty gritty details of how this 2024 uh, Texas Longhorns team is going to look. But for right now, like I said, let's just dip our toes back into the water of podcasting. It's kind of weird getting back into it after so much time off, but I'm absolutely ecstatic to start getting going again. But like I said, we're just going to dip our toes in right now, do a quick little rundown of what we missed and kind of catch everybody up to speed. So this will be a pretty short podcast. It won't be too boring though, because we're going to, like I said, give a good rundown of what has happened. So if you've missed or haven't been keeping up with the Texas Longhorns since the Sugar Bowl, this is a perfect podcast for you. Before we get into it though, be sure to subscribe and leave us a rating wherever you're listening. Also, tell your friends and family about us. After that, make sure to check out our website, texas-talk.com. On the website, you will be able to find the Longhorns updated roster, the depth chart, the 2023 recruiting class, the 2024 recruiting class, transfer portal additions and departures for the 2024 season, any trending news, plus our analysis on the team, of course. So be sure to check that out. The link to the website will be in the podcast description. All right, let's get into it. Quick talking points here, and we're going to run through these ones quick. Conference championship. We haven't spoken since Texas was getting ready for their conference championship game against Oklahoma State. All I got to say is incredible feeling to go out of the Big 12 on a high note. Brent Yormark is maybe my least favorite human ever um, in the 2023 season. But now we don't even have to think about that guy because Texas went out on top to his dismay, I'm sure. Um, Also, Sark answered a lot of questions with that dominating win. I know the Big 12 was... You know, it was it's always good, but it wasn't really elite and Oklahoma State wasn't really an elite team, but Texas went in there and they took care of business, and that is something that you could not say about Texas for the last decade. So really, really impressive performance from Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns in that game. Next up, we had the Sugar Bowl. Brutal, brutal game as a Texas fan. It never really felt like Texas was in control, in my opinion. But Texas always were, they were always in striking distance of the Washington team. And they always kept the pressure on Washington. 
up until the very last play of the game, obviously. Now, Sark and, more importantly, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski still have a lot of questions to answer this offseason. There's a lot of secondary issues for Texas in 2024. Not a lot of teams took advantage of that, but the two teams that did were Oklahoma and Washington. In the SEC next year, there's going to be more teams that are going to be able to take advantage of that. We will get into that in future episodes, but for right now, Pete Kwiatkowski needs to figure out this secondary. And I think it starts with straight up just better athletes in the secondary group. Um, Muhammad was an absolute revelation as a true freshman. He's going to be locked down on one side of the ball. I think Terrence Brooks was really, really good as well. I think he had some, you know, questionably bad moments. But all in all, I think going into year three for Brooks, he is going to be really, really important. That development is going to be huge in kind of answering the question on if Texas is going to be a dominant secondary in the SEC in 2024. Getting Jade Barron back, I think, is one of the biggest um, pluses for this Texas secondary heading into their first year in the SEC. Jade Barron might not be the you know premier athlete that I just kind of discussed that Texas might need, but his mentality and his physicality, that is what Texas needs from their nickel position because they are based out of nickel. So a guy like Jade Barron, is able to let Pete Kwiatkowski stay in that nickel defense and not give up much in the run game, which we all saw was a huge benefit for Texas all throughout the 2023 season with that elite run defense. Jade Barron was kind of the unsung hero in that front seven grouping. As for the secondary, we did add a few players in the transfer portal, really just one actually, in Andrew Makuba, sorry, Um, Andrew Makuba coming into the secondary. He was kind of slated to play nickel, but with Jade Barron returning, he's most likely going to be that strong boundary side safety for Pete Kwiatkowski. As for the free safety slash field safety side, that's going to be most likely Derek Williams in year two, who was pretty good as well, honestly. And again, a nice addition of athleticism in that secondary spot, a lot different than Jaron Thompson was. So secondary is looking to be pretty, pretty substantially improved as long as development takes place during this off season. Now, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the new additions to this Texas team in the transfer portal and also in the coaching staff. How's it going, Longhorn Nation? We are back. Let's start with the coaching uh, staff because I think we're going to be a lot quicker on those additions, and we'll get more into the players because... Quite honestly, it's a little bit more fun, and I kind of want to learn a little bit more about these coaches and get more in-depth with them later on in the offseason. So let's start. Co-DC slash linebackers coach Johnny Nansen. Uh, He was with Pete Kwiatkowski at Montana State in 2000 for one season, so that's kind of where the connection is, but it really is 
Johnny Nansen worked with Steve Sarkeesian from 2009 until 2013 at Washington. So Johnny Nansen, a new name for Longhorns fans, but he does have prior connections to a little bit with Pete Kwiatkowski, but most importantly to Steve Sarkeesian. He was formerly with the Arizona Wildcats, who had an incredible season last year. Really, really impressive season for Arizona and something that not a whole lot of college football fans, even the ones that are deep into the weeds like you and I, even everybody was surprised at how well Arizona played, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So really, really impressive get for Steve Sarkeesian to get Johnny Nansen away from Arizona. This was before Jed Fish had accepted the Washington job as well. So Johnny Nansen getting pried away from Arizona, really, really impressive by Steve Sarkeesian and should be really exciting for Longhorn fans. Next up, we have defensive line coach. Bo Davis leaving for LSU is really, really a tough blow, especially with losing Byron Murphy and Tavondre Sweat, probably the two best defensive linemen in college football last year. Both of them were probably one and two. Losing them both to the NFL draft, it's kind of the name of the game. But on top of that, to lose Bo Davis, who you're kind of counting on to develop Alfred Collins one more year and just get him ready just like Devondre Sweat and Byron Murphy the year before. Get guys like Jare Bledsoe ready for an expanded role. Vernon Broughton as well. Now Bo Davis is gone. We bring in Kenny Baker, formerly with the Miami Dolphins in 2023. Did a really good job there. He was the co-defensive line coach though, so still a little bit of an unknown, but Kenny Baker had three years with Western Kentucky before that. He coached up NFL draft pick. I I believe he was a fifth-round draft pick to my Chicago Bears. D'Angelo Malone from Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky, not really a place where you get a whole lot of defensive line talent from usually. Usually Western Kentucky is known for their high-flying passing attack and their quarterbacks and their wide receivers, but... Kenny Baker obviously did a pretty good job with that defensive line while he was there as well. So this is another example of Steve Sarkeesian filling a positions coach with NFL guys. You know, he did it last year with Chris Jackson at the wide receiver position. He's doing it again now with Kenny Baker at the defensive line position. Hopefully these are guys who Steve Sarkeesian kind of identifies is guys who aren't going to jump ship after one good season with Texas and try to go either back to the NFL or to a defensive uh, coordinator position, similar to Brennan Marion, who obviously is doing an incredible job at UNLV. But for Texas, it was kind of a bummer to only have him for one season. That wide receivers coach turned into a revolving door, which makes recruiting really, really difficult and kind of forces Steve Sarkeesian to be the aggressor in the wide receiver recruiting realm um, for the defensive line position, hopefully trying to avoid that as much as possible. 
Kenny Baker seems like a really good get. Now, hopefully it's a guy, like I said, who will stick around for a couple seasons and kind of fill out a recruiting class, which is something that I think is a little bit of a question mark. But quite honestly, Bo Davis wasn't much of a recruiter or much of a recruiter himself. We never really saw those blue chip players get brought in. Sure, there were a couple like Jure Bledsoe, but all in all, Bo Davis liked those three stars. Um, those three star guys, he identified them quickly in the cycle and started developing them. So hopefully we see kind of the fruits of his labor and talent evaluation this season now that we kind of need it with Byron Murphy and Tafandre Sweat going off to the NFL. But we'll just kind of kind of a wait and see for Kenny Baker and like I said I'm going to do a little bit more research before we get into the nitty-gritty of both of these coaches now let's take a little bit of a sip break actually I need some water like I said I'm a little rusty here so I apologize for that thank you for bearing with me let's talk about the transfer portal additions we'll get into the departures later on um, Malik Murphy being the huge one after that, honestly, I don't know if there were, there were much key losses there for us, but let's get into the additions. Can't start off any other way, but wide receiver, Isaiah Bond, number four overall, number one wide receiver, according, according to 24-7 Sports, he is a five-star prospect, absolutely incredible, incredible uh, speed. Bond was really Alabama's wide receiver threat last year. Jalen Milrow, not much of a thrower of a football yet, but when he did throw the ball, he was really good in the deep ball game. So Isaiah Bond was a really big part of that Alabama offense. Now he looks like he's going to kind of slide into that um Xavier Worthy kind of role. Jonte Cook is also still there, obviously. So Steve Sarkeesian is going to have options at the wide receiver position. Before we get more into that, though, let's keep running down the list. Edge, Trey Moore, number 20 overall player, number four edge. This is all courtesy of 24-7 Sports. Trey Moore, we needed edge talent. And bringing in five-star Colin Simmons does help out with that a lot. Can't really rely on a true freshman, although Texas has in the past. Obviously, Anthony Hill's a perfect example of that. Trey Moore, though, just kind of leaves no doubts for this Texas defense. They are going to get better in the edge position. Um, next up, we have safety Andrew Mukuaba. Talked about a little bit him before the break. He comes in at number 16 overall in the number two safety, only behind the number one overall player in the transfer portal, Caleb Downs from Alabama. Next, we have tight end Amari Nyblack, number 28 overall, the number one tight end in the transfer portal. This one, I think, was a huge, huge addition for Steve Sarkeesian. He often talks about how important the tight end position is to his offense. Gunnar Helm is a great, great tight end, but he doesn't have that 
that athleticism that Jatavion Sanders had. He needed a guy next to him similar to Jatavion Sanders to kind of complement each other. And Amari Nyblak is honestly a Jatavion Sanders clone. Maybe a tad less athletic, but honestly, I would kind of put them in that same realm. Amari Nyblak is going to fit right in to this Texas offense. Steve Sarkeesian isn't going to have to change a whole lot in his offense, honestly, because all the pieces that he's adding are just replacements to what he has lost. Next up, we have wide receiver Matthew Golden, the number 42 overall player and a four-star, according to 24-7 Sports. Now we're going to get a trio of three-star prospects, according to 24-7 Sports. We have wide receiver Silas Bolden, defensive lineman Tyalia Savia. That pronunciation is going to be a work in progress, but uh, defensive lineman from Arizona, linebacker Kendrick Blackshire as well. Now, these three-star prospects that I just mentioned, Bolden, Sevilla, and Blackshire, I really anticipate that these guys are going to be depth pieces, um, maybe worked in slightly, but I think special teams is going to be a huge role for a guy like Blackshire and Bolden. And I think, you know, Maybe Blackshire really impresses and he works his way into that linebacker room. We are losing Jalen Ford uh, to the NFL draft. We still have some good depth at the linebacker position, though. I think Blackshire just kind of adds to that depth more so than is a bona fide starter as soon as he steps onto campus like a guy like Bond or Moore or Mukuoba or Nyblack or even, even maybe Golden. So. I think those three guys are truly, truly depth pieces. I think Sevilla is a lot more similar to the defensive line prospect that we brought in last year. Um, Now I'm completely blanking on the name, which is terrible podcasting. Like I said, first time back in, you know, three months. So still working out some kinks here, but trust me, we, when we get back, we will be back Firing at all cylinders, but cannot think of the name right now, which is absolutely killing me. Anyways, uh, Trill Carter. Trill Carter is the defensive line prospect we brought in last year in the transfer portal, formerly from Minnesota, came to Texas, played, you know, I wouldn't say sparingly, but much, much more of a rotational piece when guys like Murphy, Sweat, Broughton, and Alfred Collins needed a blow. Trill Carter would come in for a little bit. He went into the transfer portal, went on to Auburn, where I think he might get a little bit more playing time. Kind of a bummer. Would love to have that depth, and I think he would have gotten an expanded role, obviously, when you don't have the two best defensive linemen out there. But Sevilla, I think, is kind of a replacement for that. If Trill Carter doesn't leave, I wonder if we even take Sevilla. I'm sure... We might have because defensive line is such a question mark. You can never have too many of them. And rotation at that position might be one of the most important on the entire football team. So kind of up in the air there. But long story short, I think this transfer portal class is really, really impressive for Steve Sarkeesian. Obviously, you would love to get a guy like Walter Nolan um, where 
we had a huge, huge question mark along the defensive line. There's a five-star right there in the state coming from the Aggies. But, you know, Old Miss kind of paid up there. Um, Walter Nolan, Lane Kiffin, I'm sure sold him on Old Miss. This is kind of their year. Old Miss is not a team like Texas where every single year could be a national championship here. That's kind of where Texas is striving to be. That's where Georgia is. That's where Alabama was slash maybe is. Um, Ole Miss is not that kind of program. Ole Miss is a program where their ceiling could be national championship, potentially, but they're not going to be that year in and year out. They can't, they just don't recruit high school at that level. But when they properly identify the years that they can be national champions, they could be super aggressive in the transfer portal. And we saw that this cycle, namely with Walter Nolan. So kind of a bummer that Texas did not get a player of that caliber on along the defensive line to replace, you know, two of the best in college football. But I think Alfred Collins is primed to have a huge step up next year. It's just going to be a matter of will Kenny Baker or maybe even Bo Davis's previous development, will that kind of hinder Alfred Collins or will Kenny Baker come in and give Alfred Collins another boost and really turn him into an all-conference kind of player? Now, in the SEC, that's a lot tougher task than it is in the Big 12. So it'll it'll be really impressive if Alfred Collins does get there. But we all know how talented Alfred Collins is, and we know that he can potentially get there and be that Walter Nolan level of defensive lineman on Saturdays. So kind of a wait and see there on how Kenny Baker is as a developer. But um, still, overall, really, really impressive class from Steve Sarkeesian. Like I said, the wide receiver room was really, really uh, decimated this year. We're losing Xavier Worthy. We're losing Jordan Whittington. We're losing Adonai Mitchell. Also, Isaiah Nair is gone. Casey Kane is gone. That's our top five right there. We do bring back, obviously, sophomore um, Jonte Cook, Ryan Niblett, and DeAndre Moore. So three really, really talented wide receivers from that 2023 class. That 2022 class, though, in um, in uh, Andre Coleman's last year with Texas is still haunting this Texas team and why Texas and Steve Sarkeesian have been so aggressive in the transfer portal because Brennan Marion was our only wide receiver, or sorry, Brennan Thompson was our only wide receiver that we ended up getting in that recruiting class. Savion Red was also kind of an athlete coming in, but he has transitioned to a running back where I think is actually a perfect, perfect role for him. Brennan Thompson obviously leaves for Oklahoma. So that 2022 class netted us exactly zero wide receivers. Um, Really, really tough uh, for kind of the health of that wide receiver room. But 
Steve Sarkeesian has slowly kind of battled his way back, and I think he's replenished that wide receiver room really, really, really well with those three transfer portal additions in Bond, Golden, and uh, or Golden and Bolden, and then in the 2023 class, bringing in five-star uh, Jonte Cook, bringing in high four-stars DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett as well. And then in this 2024 class, we bring in another five-star Ryan Wingo with a couple three-stars who could develop uh, in Parker Livingstone, Freddie Dubow, and uh, obviously, I, I, I forgot to mention, top 200 player Aaron Butler as well. So this wide receiver group is is really going to help shape Texas. They really can't afford to lose too many to attrition next cycle, which we'll worry about next cycle. But as of right now, this wide receiver room is really filling out nicely with depth because a guy like Ryan Wingo can be an immediate contributor for Texas, but he doesn't have to be necessarily because of how well Steve Sarkeesian did in the transfer portal, namely with Isaiah Bond. All right. Uh, I think that will do it for this week's episode. So if you enjoyed the podcast, thank you for bearing with me for my first time back in a long, long time. I hope you all learned something. Uh, So if you want to support us at Texas Talk, please give us a rating on your podcast platform of choice and uh, share us uh, on your social networking site of choice with your friends, with your family, Anybody who you think will enjoy some of this Texas Longhorns content, uh, I will be back next week, like I said. So thank you all for listening. And as always, hook them.